Welcome to the Inrooted Podcast, where we believe it's our biblical duty to work the land and that scripture provides wisdom for our everyday walk in life. This is your podcast where faith intertwines inspiration, new perspectives, and practical tips for your forest management and land ownership journey. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Inrooted Podcast or YouTube if you're watching me there. This week, I am getting ready for my free three-day masterclass. And I'm really, really excited because every year for the last three years, I've always kind of done this whole landowner foundation setting up really for a six-week academy course, which it used to be, it's now been restructured. And this year, I've kind of condensed some of it down to a free three-day masterclass. And I'm very, very excited for this. And while I was preparing for these kind of set of the bottom foundations, what do you absolutely need to know? How do you gain clarity? to set yourself going forward, it came to my mind something that I say quite often, and it's about asking the right questions. But this week I have a little bit of a twist. It's about asking the right questions with the right mindset. And I got two stories that I'm gonna be sharing with y'all today. One is about a young, semi-arrogant young man. Another one is a much wiser person. Now they're both asking questions, but they both have completely different perspectives and what they're trying to gain with these questions, okay? So we're gonna set the stage and we're gonna be talking about the young, rich man first. And I'm gonna be going into Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 through 22. So let me read that to you first. Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me what is good, Jesus replied? There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones, he inquired. Jesus replied, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said, what do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Now, I want to kind of set this disclaimer. It's not about the wealth, okay? It's not about having luxuries or riches or anything like that. It's about the priorities and the mindset and the heart of this gentleman, okay? So if you kind of a uh, quick recap of what's happening here, we have this young rich man who's just like, hey, Jesus, you know, what do I need to keep eternal life? What do I need for salvation? How do I get saved? But he's setting this up kind of in this like, <laughs> I'm pretty great. I already know the answer, but I want you to justify the answer for me. It says, teacher, what good thing must I do to get in heaven? And Jesus kind of sets him off and says, you know, why do you ask me about what is good? There's only one who is good. If you want it in our life, you keep the commandments. It's pretty simple. Everyone already knows this. You keep the commandments. And then he inquires, the young rich man inquires, you know, which ones? as if all of them weren't important, but which ones, you know, which ones are the most important? And you know, Jesus answers back, shall not murder, shall not commit adultery, shall not steal. And he goes through these commandments. And the young man, you know, feeling pretty, pretty proud of himself, you know, says, I've kept all of these, you know, I'm already doing all this. What do I lack? Now, the way I read this, specifically because of how the young man went away, the fact that he went away sad, 
isn't because he actually wanted an answer. He wanted justification for something that he was already doing. He wanted to be kind of built up because he was already so great, right? He says, what do I still lack? And Jesus says, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Now the trick here is Jesus already, of course, already knew his heart. He already knew his mind. He already knew what his priorities in his life were. And so he pretty much hit the nail on the head with what his priorities were going to be, what his biggest struggle personally was going to be. And it was going to be getting rid of the materialism in his life. He held what he had around him, his status, his money as his security above God, essentially. And so he gets commanded, go sell your stuff because this stuff is clearly kind of getting in the way of your priorities here and then come follow me. And of course the young man goes away and he's sad. And so reflecting on this rich young ruler and not focusing in on the fact that he was rich or had great riches and luxuries and wealth and materials, it wasn't about any of that. I read this whole encounter, not because he was generally interested in learning from Jesus, but because he wanted to be a self-righteous know-it-all. He kind of wanted to show off in front of others because this wasn't a one-on-one conversation. Um, if I remember correctly, kind of going back, you know, Jesus is walking in squares and around a whole bunch of people. So this is in public. This rich young man wanted to be perceived as amazing and so fantastic. He wanted to ask the questions in such a way that elevated him, not only amongst himself to, to Jesus, which he may or may not have believed was Messiah or the rabbi or whatever maybe he simply wanted to elevate himself amongst his peers. He wanted to look better than he actually wanted true answers for improvement. He didn't necessarily want to improve. He wanted to raise these things just to make himself be like, oh, I'm already so great. And it got me thinking about how do we ask questions, especially when you're talking to your foresters or resources, when we ask for help, when you're asking for help on what to do. Are we asking those questions in a manner that we, we really want to just justify what we're already doing? Or are we generally curious on what we can do to improve? Now, before you kind of be like, well, of course we're asking the professional foresters and biologists or whoever it may be, because we generally want to improve. Are we really? Because this is when I, <laughs> It brings me back some stories that I've had with other landowners when I'm giving advice and they simply say, no, I'm not going to do it that way. No, we're not going to do that. Not because of any strong values against maybe some of the practices I've had, not for any budget concerns, simply because they just don't want to change their ways. They didn't want to change their operations. And there's nothing wrong with doing things as the status quo. If you're happy with the management results that you've been getting, 100% nothing wrong with keep on doing you, you keep on managing it the way you perceived it. But don't ask the question of what can you do to improve, what recommendations do you advise, what do you see out here, and then more or less, what is it, the young rich man said, walked away sad because he had great wealth. Don't walk away not willing to actually change anything when you yourself seeked out the questions to ask of how to improve. This rich young man asked, what do I still lack to uh, gain eternal life? What do I lack? When it comes to our land, 
we are probably asking, what can we do to improve deer habitat? What can we do to maximize our timber uh, profit returns? How can we get the most selfish possible? What do we lack? And maybe we come back and say, you know what? These roads could really greatly be improved. If you can improve these roads, fix these stream crossings, that way we just have so much smoother access instead of doing temporary access and temporary fix. Let's make this a permanent fix and this way we don't have to worry about it. The loggers are going to be able to come in and out, the contractors. That will greatly improve the appeal of your property, especially during maybe rainy times when stumpage prices are maybe going up. You have dry land and you have great roads. They're going to be they're going to be doing pretty well and then you come back and say, "You know what? That's nice. Um what else can I do? I'm I'm not willing to do that. What else can I do?" Okay? not willing to improve roads well let's start prescribed burning let's do a um a fourth row thin no we're we're not going to do that we're not going to add burning because it's, it's too much of a hassle i don't like burning okay so what do you really want from me like what why are you asking the questions if you're not actually willing to make any adjustments or changes when you ask what is it that i like now those are just examples and there's a whole you know um there's there's just a whole wide range of how these questions could go it could simply be how do i get started where do i get started when do i get started and then you are approached with the answer okay we need to get started by marking our property boundaries and getting a survey to clear the title okay but i don't want to invest in actually marking the boundaries okay i don't actually want to go through all of that these are all some examples of conversations I have actually had um, through my past decades worth of experience as a forester. So we are now going to compare this with a different gentleman, one of my favorite figures in the Bible who I personally relate to the most. And if you know me, you already know this answer, but we're gonna be jumping over to John 3. And I've had some insights with this conversation within this last year that's really been eye-opening for me is especially about the whole concept and topic of asking questions and i'm going to share it with you and maybe it'll be as mind-blowing for you as it was for me and so let me let me share that with you let me set the stage we are jumping over again now to john 3 and we are talking about a gentleman named nicodemus now if you're not familiar with nicodemus nicodemus kind of similar to the rich young ruler is of high status he's actually a pharisee so he's in this whole status quo you know um kind of considered the elite of the religious leaders he's of the elite pretty much of those folks on top of that but amongst the jews especially he's of that higher class okay and i'm going to be reading john 3 verses 1 through what am i going to go through through 18 I think it is so bear with me for just a minute while I read this and hopefully I won't stumble. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. 
flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at me saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things. Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. All right, so let's, let's break down this conversation right here. We got Nicodemus, who contrary to the rich young ruler, actually sees Jesus at night. Now, you can play devil's advocate with this, that he was embarrassed to go talk to Jesus, and that's why he came at night. But I look at it as more so wanting to have a very genuine conversation. He didn't want to flop his status. Um, maybe he also didn't want to get embarrassed for talking to Jesus, which I can, again, personally relate to because I came through that very subtle, very hesitant type of transition. But the way I've always understood and kind of resonated with this scene is that Nicodemus doesn't come to Jesus at night because he's simply embarrassed, but because he generally wants to have a honest conversation and generally learn from Jesus. He doesn't want any outsiders kind of influencing, not necessarily what he would say, but how the conversation might get misdirected. He wants to learn for himself. So that's contrary to the rich young ruler that we just saw who asked in the public square to kind of elevate and make himself look better. Nicodemus goes at night. Now, his questions aren't as specific as I usually teach. I'm always teaching about being as specific as possible when you're asking questions for your land ownership. But here he's still asking questions with genuine concern, genuine interest, and he's listening here. Okay, you know, Jesus... <laughs> The first part, I'm like, I, I wouldn't understand what Jesus is saying either. You know, Rabbi kind of comes in and says, you know, Rabbi, uh, I believe that you're a teacher from God. No one else could do this. And Jesus answers, you know, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. I'd be like, what? Um, how did we get there? And so Nicodemus asks, you know, how, how is that possible when I'm old? How, how do I go back in the womb? He's thinking very literally, of course, which isn't the case, but he's still thinking. He takes the words that Jesus has and he's trying to figure out how to understand it. So he rephrases what Jesus has said into a question, which to me is a very wise move. Instead of just saying, as the rich young ruler says, like, hey, what do I lack? I already got all that. Nicodemus takes the part of the question that he doesn't understand and tries to fathom and rephrase it as like, is this what you're talking about? He's asking for clarity here. How does this happen? Which is incredibly smart and something that we should be doing when it comes to our land ownership. If someone comes to you and says, hey, we need to do a, um, a fourth row thinning to the 70 basal area, do you know what that means? Do you know what that looks like? ask, okay, what does basal area actually mean? How does this actually occur? 
rephrase the part of the question that you don't understand and ask for clarity. So that's the other second wise aspect of Nicodemus compared to the rich young ruler who didn't necessarily want clarity. Again, he just wanted to elevate and make himself seem better and wanted answers that made him kind of be perceived as, oh, you're doing everything great already. Nicodemus pretty much humbles himself, in my opinion, in this moment too by not understanding what Jesus is saying and asking, how is this possible? So Jesus tells him all this, but one of um, the other things that really opened my eyes, I had mentioned that this conversation this last year kind of spoke to me about asking the questions and it comes down to John 3:16. Now, if you're a Christian, you know this verse, if you're not a Christian, maybe you've seen this scripture verse out and about because John 3 16 is probably one of the most popular verses quoted or shared with anybody you see it on t-shirts you see it on cars pretty sure Tim Tebow had it on his his face for a little while during some of those football games and John 3 16 is for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life so one of the most quoted scripture verses about sharing God's love ever, I would essentially say, comes directly because of Nicodemus and Jesus's conversation. Now, when I think about that, to me, that is just so mind-blowing that obviously he would never know that these words would, would come about and understand kind of the power and the impact that these next scripture verses would have, which are words from John. They're not part of the, the uh, conversation between Nicodemus and Jesus. They're in black letters, so the words that John wrote. But to me, it's just so inspiring, the fact that a conversation over here in seemingly left field can lead to the insight and inspiration that can impact generations for years and years to come. Maybe this is the only verse you've ever seen and this is what has brought you to God himself. And I just attribute that to because Nicodemus went to Jesus with a genuine heart, asking for clarity, asking how can this be, asking for advice through a genuine mindset and a genuine heart. He had all the titles and letters at the back of his name. He had all of the status. He had all of the studying, but he asked questions still with genuineness, with wanting to learn and understand better. Now, how do I know like he just didn't also want to feel better? I mean, he was a Pharisee. The Pharisees get knocked like crazy throughout all the different gospels for, you know, for, for good reasons. I mean, they did kind of, you know, do the whole betrayal of Jesus and nail him up on the cross type of thing. But if he never went to this conversation on his own with an open mind, none of that rest of the scenes would have happened. But more importantly for me, I wonder if John 3.16 would have ever actually been written down. I'm sure it would because God does what God does, but it just uh, really resonates with me how powerful conversations and asking questions with the right mindset can be and what it can lead to when we go in that. So what was the point of all these questions besides me kind of just sharing you some of my insights, especially from scriptures of what I've gained and why asking questions with the right attitude, right mindset actually matters. The rich young ruler compared to Nicodemus got completely different answers. I would say it doesn't even look like if you just read, you know, John 3 that Nicodemus really got that much clarity. But again, it's not necessarily about what the conversation was saying that I wanted to point out today. 
it was the attitude and the mindset of the questioners that I wanted to gain the lessons from for today. So three tips for asking the right questions the right way, because I always want to make sure I'm leaving you with something actionable, tangible, something that you can take home and actually start implementing. And this is going to be a little bit of insights of what my free masterclass uh, is going to be hearing about this week as well. Um, so the first tip is going in with the right mindset. Are you going in with the right heart? Are you asking questions just to make yourself feel better and sound better because you're already doing some good things? Are you actually willing to take the advice of whatever is being told to you, no matter how good or ugly or hard that advice may be? So let's go to the example of how can I improve my um, appeal or improve my stumpage possibilities and you are handed the recommendations to improve your roads. You improve your roads, you improve, uh, you improve the appeal of your property. Now, it's not necessarily like an X dollars of investment for your roads, it's gonna give you X dollars of stumpage, but again, it's about this accessibility. If it is less work and the loggers don't necessarily have to go through, and really, honestly, if contractors or loggers or workers are even going to be able to get through the property, do you even have roads? Are they full of potholes and gullies? Have been they uh, rained out because best management practices weren't implemented properly? So now even a four wheel truck can't drive through it. These things matter. So it's not an X dollars of investment, it's gonna give you X dollars, but if you are provided this advice, you should probably take it. Or are you looking like, I'll just, you know, I don't wanna do that, it costs too much money up front and it's not actually going to give me any debt. Do you actually wanna hear the words and the opinions of who you're asking these questions from? Tip number two, be specific, or at least as specific as you possibly can. You see here, again, I kind of already talked about it, so I'm just gonna briefly revamp it, rephrase what I had already said, was that Nicodemus took the part that he did not understand about being born again, and he rephrased it. So if there is something in the conversation with your foresters that you don't understand, maybe you don't know what stumpage is, which is, by the way, the money that you get paid for your standing timber. But if you don't know what that is or why you are getting offered these different rates or why your foresters recommending uh, maybe a negotiated versus a sealed bid offer or a lump sum versus pay as cut, if you don't understand these, take the part specifically you don't understand rephrase that question as specifically as you can to try to gain that clarity because I say this a lot I love my foresters but they're not all great communicators most of us most of us foresters and this is very much true for me as well became foresters because we wanted to be in the woods and not necessarily talk to people all the time I know, now my living is nothing but talking to people and talking on YouTube and podcasts and social media, and that's all I do. But I became a forester because I didn't want to talk to people. And so when you have field foresters especially, they are great at what they know. They're a wealth of knowledge, but they're not always good at explaining things upfront at least. They may assume you know more than you know already. And so if you're not asking questions, they assume you understand everything perfectly. So be specific to gain clarity. Tip number three, which wasn't really a part of this specific scriptures that I shared, at least with Nicodemus, it was with the rich young ruler, who I will pull up again. Verse uh, 22 in chapter 19 of Matthew. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. So what, what am I probably trying to get at here? 
The rich young ruler walked away. Nicodemus maybe took a little while, but he came back. Follow up. Follow up with conversations with whoever it may be that you're talking with. Maybe it is other family members who are working together with you on the property. Maybe it's your forester. Maybe it's your NRCS agent. Whoever it is that you are asking these questions to, after a period of time, make sure you follow up. Don't just walk away and let it go by the wayside because so many good intentions never actually come to fruition, especially when it comes to our land ownership because of how easy it is to push things on the back burner. So many good intended plans or good intended activities never actually come about because there was no follow-up, because you never maybe followed up with your forester and said, yes, I want to commit to this timber sale. Maybe they called you a couple of times and you're playing phone tag. Life happens. I get it completely. But if you never do that, you know, follow through or follow up, if you just walk away, it's never actually going to happen. So as a recap, three tips to improve your questions, to ask questions with the right way, the right mindset, whatever you want to call it. Number one, have a genuine heart, have the right mindset, have an openness when you're asking your questions. Number two, ask for clarity and be specific when you're asking for that clarity. And that way you can make sure you are doing your best to understand what is being provided to you. And number three, don't walk away, follow up, follow through with whatever it is you're trying to do. I hope this has been insightful for you, especially with John 3. Uh, I know I'm probably going to be talking about it a lot because it just, it just inspires me so. The fact of how much a conversation that you didn't think would ever necessarily lead anywhere and how much impact it can truly have. Maybe not immediately, maybe it's years down the road, but the questions you ask now do impact your future and the future of your kids even. So ask questions, be specific, get clarity, and follow through. Until next time.